You don't have to be a high roller or even an occasional presence at the penny slots to have a stake in Indiana's two-decade-old casino industry. In a way, for better or worse, every Hoosier has skin in the game, thanks to the vital role the industry now plays in the state's economy. Indiana's 13 casinos have an overall economic impact of more than $4 billion annually. Gaming taxes alone account for about $700 million a year. Lately, however, those numbers have been shrinking. Hi, I'm John Schwannis, and on this edition of Indiana Lawmakers, we'll explore what the General Assembly can do to shore up the industry or whether it should do anything at all. Here's some background from WFYI news anchor Christopher Ayers. The Indiana Gaming Commission began issuing riverboat casino licenses back in 1994. Since then, both casino owners and the state have cashed in on a steady flow of gaming dollars. The state's now home to 10 riverboat casinos, two horse track casinos, or racinos, and one land-based casino in French Lick. But recent gaming expansion in neighboring states has put a dent in those dollars. 2014 was the first full year of operation for four new land-based casinos in southwest Ohio. It's no coincidence that 2014 also represented the state's lowest gambling revenue collection since 2002. But a House bill authored by LaPorte Republican Tom Dermody this session aims to make Hoosier gaming establishments more competitive. It would allow riverboat casinos to move inland, permit racinos to replace electronic table games with a limited number of live dealers, and it would create a tax credit for establishments that upgrade their facilities. Jim Brown is the general manager of Indiana Grand Racing and Casino in Shelbyville. He says replacing electronic dealers with even a few real people would boost the state's gaming industry in general. It keeps our Hoosier business in state, and that wouldn't cause a threat to our existing casinos in Indiana in the limited manner uh, that it's been um, sent forward. But whether the bill gets a nod from Governor Mike Pence, pending passage in both chambers, may depend on whether he sees it as an expansion of gaming or not. And so far, the governor's not tipping his hand. The governor has said he doesn't intend for the gaming industry to grow on his watch, but he's given no indication as to whether this particular legislation meets his criteria for expansion. So if anyone thinks they know where this bill's going, now's the time to place their bets. For Indiana Lawmakers, I'm Christopher Ayers. Thanks, Christopher. Back in a moment with our weekly roundtable discussion. Indiana Lawmakers, from the State House to your house. The Visual Analytics Law Enforcement Toolkit, or Valet, developed at Purdue University, brings critical data and analytics to police departments instantly, so officers are a step ahead of criminal activity. To learn more, visit otc-prf.org. Last month turned out to be a pretty good one for Indiana's casino industry. Overall revenue was up almost 15% compared with the corresponding figure for January 2014, and only two of the state's 13 casinos reported a year-over-year -year decline. No one's popping champagne, though. Most experts agree that the uptick was an aberration, not a cause for celebration. In fact, the long-term revenue trend has been downright bleak, thanks primarily to increased competition from neighboring states. Joining me to talk about the relative health of Indiana's gaming industry are Republican Representative Tom Dermody of LaPorte, Chairman of the House Public Policy Committee and author of a bill designed to aid the industry, Democratic Senator Erlene Rogers of Gary, who played a major role in creating the industry back in 1993, 
Mike Smith, a former state legislator who now serves as president of the Casino Association of Indiana, and John Bond, president of the Switzerland County Economic Development Corporation, which has benefited significantly from the presence of the Belterra Casino Resort. Thank you all for being here on this very chilly day to engage in this uh, of this conversation. We'll warm things up, I'm guessing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Senator Rogers, let's yes. start with you because as I noted in the introduction, you were there at the outset. Right. How does the industry as it stands now compare with what you envisioned back in 1993? Well, you know, back in 1993, there were a lot of questions about how this industry would fare in Indiana. And uh, back in those days, we were dealing with some of the myths connected with casino gaming, you know, like... Um, there would be uh, maybe the mafia involved, or prostitution, and some of the negatives that were there. Uh, but I think at this point in time, they have been an absolute benefit to the state, to the communities where the boats are docked. Because if you remember, it wasn't the state that was pushing for this legislation to be passed. In fact, I can remember uh, when uh, the, the then governor, Evan Bayh, you know, sent all of his uh, administrative people to get us to vote against the bill that we had put into the budget that year. And uh, so uh, it was driven by those communities that were looking for opportunities for jobs for their people. And I think the, the industry has absolutely uh, lived up to that expectation. They've hired local people. Uh, they've done well. And I think personally that they need to be treated like any other business in this state. Well, and had it not been, as, as memory serves, in the budget bill in a special session, uh, 11th hour arrangement, right. it probably would not it have, would not uh, have right. been enacted that session. You're right. um, one of the criticisms back then, Tom Dermody, was uh, those who said, you know, casinos, industry, bad, gambling, bad, because it's a crutch. You know, the state will become addicted to the revenue stream. Now, to a large extent, it's a pretty big revenue stream, and the state does depend on it heavily. Did those fears... Uh, were they realized in any way? Well, I just think your point was the economy has been reduced in the gaming industry because of the competition. They are real jobs. It's very important, especially the areas that they're in. And uh, I think we all have to consider treating gaming like every other business that Senator Rogers has. And what we've done in the summer with bipartisan support and what we're going to continue to do is going to, I think, finally recognize that, hey, these jobs are important to Indiana, and we want to do not only what we can to keep those jobs, but see what we can do to help the industry to compete. And, of course, uh, I guess as all politics is local, certainly this issue, I'm guessing from your perspective, looking out for the interests of some of the communities in southeast Indiana, this isn't about the gaming industry so much as what it means for the local governments in, in those areas. Of course, and, and the casinos are the largest employer far and away in, in southeast Indiana. And, and it's, a, uh, it's a blessing for the communities. It's also a challenge. There are a lot of local expenses that are unique to the gaming industry. And as long as the revenue is in place to meet those, this is a, it's still a godsend for those communities. This has uh, been a real opportunity for them. I mentioned last month was a pretty good month, and Belterra, if I'm not mistaken, had a pretty good month as well. It they was did. January it was nice year over year was $2.2 million in additional revenue. I think there were 11,000 additional admissions. What's everybody worried about? It sounds as if... Uh, well, it, it's, it's another, one of the unique things about the industry is it depends on the weather sometimes. Mm -hmm. and, and whether one year to the next when they compare those monthly reports can drive them up or down. And 
after month after month of hearing how they were having their worst month ever in a lot of cases, this is this is a nice turnaround, and we hope it stays. We're hearing the same reports that you are, though, that might be a blip on the radar screen. Well, as we sit here shivering, we'll, we'll be eager to see what the February numbers. The turnstile might not be moving quite as rapidly. Mike Smith, I've used the term or the phrase a casino industry several times already in this discussion. Maybe that's not even the right term to use. Uh, you wrestle with this uh, as uh, the president of the association. I mean, this is a, more of a hodgepodge or an amalgam of different types of things. We have the racinos, the former tracks, which now have slots. We have the riverboat casinos. We have the land-based casino at French Lick. I know your membership, in fact, it used to be at 12 or so. Now it's down to 8. Is that a sign of, of uh, splintering or fragmentation uh, in an already competitive uh, business? Well, I, I think there's always been the, the differences of needs and wants. And, you know, like any other business, no one wants to make their competitor any better. And a lot of times, the, the, our industry, like a lot of them, the, especially that operate in a controlled, competitive environment as we do, um, you know, when someone gets somewhat of a competitive advantage, um, a lot of times they don't want someone else to have a, an advantage over them then, like in the land-based, you know, where you've got a couple of companies that have spent three to $500 million building a new boat uh, to then have their neighbor be able to go on land to some of those you know, it's a struggle for them to come to grips with. So it's a challenge every day. So it's not just, as some might think, land uh, riverboats versus racinos. It's those that have invested, riverboats that have invested in infrastructure heavily versus those that want to sure. invest on land. Sure. So. And then you have the difference, too, of location. You know, like some have more prime locations than others that uh, make a big difference as well. And the attraction of capital. Let's jump into the, the bill that seeks to uh, remedy all of uh, these <laughs> issues and make everyone happy. Tom Dermody, it's a little of everything, right? You're looking at uh, moving uh, the riverboats on land. You're looking at uh, live dealers at the table games at the racinos, admission tax issues. Uh, I don't need to talk about it. You talk about it. What are you trying to accomplish? Well, you say uh, a little bit of everything, and I'm sure a lot more to come before we get to April. But I think the focus, especially of our summer study that Senator Rogers, and it's great to have somebody with uh, historical perspective that she does, um, we talked about we're trying to do for the industry. We understand we're going to hurt potentially some, help others, but what is best for the industry? And so what we talked about, and the key word was, what can we do without the term expansion. And I think that will come into play at some point. But what the summer study resulted with was, hey, let's allow these boats um, to go to land. Um, you have an example in Senator Rogers' area, Majestic Star pays three to five million dollars a year in marine personnel for a boat that never moves. And so we offered land. We offered um, the free play deduction, an extension of that. That's the number one marketing tool for these casinos to get clients in the door. So we allowed another two-year extension of that. Um, third, if we want to create jobs and, and allow the facilities to be more of a destination point than just a casino, let's incentivize them with some tax credits regarding construction to build the hotels, the restaurants, the arenas. And then fourth, which is one of the more controversial issues, is allowing the racinos to have live dealers. But when you look at uh, live dealers from where they are now, you have an electronic dealer right now, and in many instances, a person standing there clapping for you. So we use it as some common sense. Let's at least allow that person to deal. Um, and I think that the summer study came out with some great topics that will be uh, discussed between now and April. 
Well, Erlene Rogers, uh, you, of course, introduced legislation this session as well, focusing primarily on the move from, of the riverboats right. onshore. Yeah. That's been uh, your primary interest. Absolutely. Uh, this seems to be, uh, Representative Dermody's bill seems to be the one, though, that's the, the operative bill. Right. You like everything he says? or? Uh, well, or I'm not sure about everything that's going to come out of Dermody's bill. The only thing I know is, and Mike will attest to this, we always talked about uh, the industry as being a three-legged stool, uh, the racinos, the casinos, and French Lick. And, uh, you know, as long as you keep those legs even, then, you know, the, the, you can sit on the stool, and the stool is, is something that can be used. But any time one of those legs gets either shorter or longer, then it, it creates an imbalance. So I think all of us will be working together uh, to make certain that there is no imbalance there. And we were able to do that initially, I know, with the horse racing industry when we first did the riverboats. And... Uh, we were able to to work with them and come out with a solution. At that time, we gave them part of the money from the admission taxes. And so I'm sure we'll be able to, before the session is over, especially after the bill leaves the House and comes to the Senate. Uh, oh, so. the, way, the, way she, the way she says that, there's a, there's a twinkle in her eye. She has a big eraser. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think, I, I absolutely think we'll work it out. You know, on the live dealers, I, you know, I mean, we have live dealers in in our river boats, you know, and so, you know. So you, so, so that you don't object to I the do competitive. Not, I absolutely do not object to that. I, I don't think any of, anything that's being considered uh, is going to be negatively impacted in, in my area. And, and what uh, Representative Dermody said about the Majestic Star, I mean, we sit on a harbor there, so we have to have the marine crew because of Lake Michigan and uh, I'm sure it must be awful now up there, you know, with the waters being frozen. Probably they're not able to open. I'm not sure. But some days they're not able to open because of that. And so when you talk about just moving from the water to to the land, you know, I, I, I guess expansion is in the eye of the beholder. I don't consider that expansion. You know, I just consider that, you know, just a move on to land. There's... We'll, we already have unlimited positions that are there, you know, so I think we passed that test. Mike Smith, uh, Senator Rogers talks about the three-legged stool and the need to keep the legs, um, let's call it the hot seat for you, I guess, right. to continue the metaphor, because for the reason we just mentioned, you have all these competing interests. What do you want to see uh, come out of, of these uh, discussions, uh, presuming it, it emerges from the House and uh, ends up? In, with, in the hands of Erlene Rogers and, and her Democratic colleagues. Well, I think that, you know, from the macro sense, you know, if you, you, we talk about expansion first. You know, our industry today has closed the equivalent of four Tropicana Evansville casinos just by the removal of 4,000 gaming positions since our peak. Uh, so we've seen a retraction already in the, the number of slots that are available. Uh, we've responded to the market in that fashion. We're down net-net probably 6,500 employees from our peak. Uh, with the addition of the French Lick and the two Racinos, where you add all of that in, and we're about 6,500 jobs down. So all of those things are important. And one of the big things that I think, and, and as we deal with the admissions tax, it's a totally outdated tax for our business model today. Um, our tax scheme... We're this so is the turnstile, what, $3 every time you yeah. go through the turnstile? Whether we win a nickel or not. 
And uh, I, I think those are the kind of things that are going to be beneficial, you know, from a marketing standpoint. Um, you know, what value of player can you afford to walk through your turnstile if you pay $3 every time they do? And if you're going to build an amenity outside the turnstile, it's a real disincentive because people have to go back and forth to visit the amenity, and every time they do that, they're costing you money. So um, I think the idea of going to uh, getting away from that is very important. Our overall tax scheme, you know, you have to be a place where you can attract capital. Casinos today can invest money anywhere in the world, and you have to look at Indiana no different than an Eli Lilly or, or another company that's going to invest where are they going to do it, where they can make a, a fair return on their money? Um, and that's the thing that's pretty important to us, the whole tax scheme. And, of course, John Bond, your, your clients, let's say, the people you represent, have had a lot of competition from the Cincinnati uh, Casino and others. I mean, what do you want to see come out of this for your, again, I know you're looking at a piece of the, the overall pie geographically. Well, we've really been the center point of a lot of the out-of-state competition with the Cincinnati market uh, in, in full swing in our region and the, the draws that our casinos have out of other places in Ohio. Ultimately, the competitive uh, sensitivities down there vary from one casino to another, and we have to worry about all of them because uh, of the commute uh, activity between all, all the casinos. Switzerland County has employers at, at every casino, and the same could be said for every riverboat community in the area. So the loss of jobs is a concern from increased competition in Indiana. That being said, the, the, the local communities down there have never really gotten involved in competitive debates. Their concern has been more of a, of a fiscal nature. Do they have the money to cover the cost of having the casino in their region? The admissions tax was historically a stable source of revenue for that because it was a, a, a pretty consistent amount that came in every year. They're not necessarily opposed to changing that. They just want to make sure that there's still enough money there to cover what they have to do. Tom Dermody, if you get everything you want, unlikely, but let's, you can dream, right? Everything the study, summer study uh, group wanted, does it solve the problem? I mean, there are those who say, you know, the industry, it's, it's not just out-of-state competition. It's uh, concern over discretionary dollars. People are not willing to spend as freely. You see drops even in certainly Atlantic City, even uh, Las Vegas casino revenues down. I mean, can you guarantee that this solves the problem for the industry? You know, I don't think I can guarantee it, but at least I can say, and we as a committee can say, is we brought the industry together to say, what do you need to be more competitive? The locals are going to have to be involved. I mean, obviously, the money that they've been receiving when the industry was strong and had little competition, it's a different day today. And I know they don't want to hear that. The state has been uh, additionally funding some dollars that we can't continue to do, and we need to keep in uh, mind that we did lose 6,500 jobs. So what I hope will come out of this is an understanding by everybody that maybe everybody's got to take a little, as we call, a little haircut and, and help them be competitive because the Illinois, Michigan, Kentucky, and Ohio is going to continue to be a difficulty uh, for the Indiana facilities. Uh, Erlene Rogers, let me turn the question on its head and ask you the opposite. What if nothing uh, in the bill currently or any of the, the recommendations to shore up the industry is enacted? What's the upshot of that? What happens to the industry? What happens to municipalities and counties that rely on that as well as the state. Right. Yeah, well, I think the concerns would be there, you know, in terms of uh, how willing will they be to, to remain here in Indiana and, uh, and 
I think that the locals are going to understand more than I think maybe they don't once we get an opportunity to talk to them, you know. Uh, we've always been uh, aware of the competition. I mean, sitting up there, you know, right next to Chicago. And I know every year when they start talking about they're going to start having uh, land-based casinos in, in Illinois, I mean, you know, we, I mean, I was probably rooting for the wrong governor. Whoever is governor that says, you know, that we don't want to do land-based or whoever is the mayor in Chicago that says no land-based, I absolutely am supporting them. I don't care what political party. So we're probably. making news today. You <laughs> right. voted a Republican, uh, cast Republican votes. So well, I mean, I have to do what's best for my constituency, which is what, what I do down here. And so I, uh, I, I just have really high hopes that we can overcome some of the uh, views that people have. I think one of the things that we said initially when we did pass the uh, riverboat legislation was that we warned at that time uh, local units of government is not to depend on this as an as a source of revenue uh, forever and I think that you know forever stops today and we need to talk about how we can adjust uh, what we've been accustomed to uh, and and work in the best interest of other businesses I do I'm getting the signal I hate to see, which is that we're uh, out of time. It goes by very, very fast. This right now is standalone legislation. We alluded earlier to what happened in 93 when, right. when those bills didn't prevail, but they came in as part of a budget deal. How likely is this to remain standalone legislation? How, what's the smart money bet on whether this becomes part of the budget deal? Boy, I think that's a 50-50. We might get it out of the House, and then I'll leave it up to Senator Rogers and others to you know, work it in the magic in the Senate and hopefully keep something alive so we don't have to rely on just the budget. Uh, we have a cliffhanger, then we'll all have right. to keep people uh, coming back for more. Okay. Thank you all for being here for this discussion. Again, my guests have been Republican Representative Tom Dermody of LaPorte, Democratic Senator Erlene Rogers of Gary, Mike Smith of the Casino Association of Indiana, and John Bond of the Switzerland County Economic Development Corporation. Surging violent crime in Indiana comes at a cost, the cost of rehabilitation or the cost of incarceration, on the next Indiana Lawmakers. Time now for our weekly discussion with Ed Feigenbaum, publisher of the newsletter Indiana Legislative Insight and its sister publication, Indiana Gaming Insight. Ed, can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. You've been doing this for a long time, since the start, along with Erlene Rogers. You know, she mentioned that back in 93, that in early years, the debate was over sort of, you know, crime and addiction and slee the sleaze factor. Now you don't hear uh, the debate taking place on moral grounds. It's all economic. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for this debate? Uh, yes. <laughs> now, we, we certainly have changed how we, we view the gaming industry, and Representative Dermody alluded to that, too, that we, we need to be treating it like any other business today, and it's, it's a big business. You know, we've, we've got 16,500 direct jobs from from gaming and um, at any given time, you know, now that number is considerably down, but, you know, it, it is really like any other business. It is a huge part of the state's economy, and it, it's been able to, you know, produce some jobs in areas of the state as it was intended to do, to do that had problems in, in finding jobs for people in those areas. Is this the, the, the phrase we often hear now is new normal? I mean, there's been a lot of shakeout in the industry, a lot of... Uh, Competition, some would say market saturation. Is this what we're this way it's going to be now in terms of revenue? Well, I think that's part of the, the problem for the debate today. We've we've got a large contingent of legislators, you know, more than half, 
that have, have only been around literally since the recession, since, since the gaming industry started to see the revenues go down. Now, I'm using the gaming industry again in a, a real generic sense. But these people only, only recognize the way that things have been in the last few years. And so people like Senator Rogers, who've been around since the onset and, and remember the days, the regular days of 225, 200 million in revenues per month for each, uh, for the, the casinos as being the norm, you know, now see, you know, 178, 180 million. And, and these new legislators are used to that. They're accustomed to that. And they're thinking, well, that's not that bad. And, and why should we go further? Why should we give them more tax breaks and, and do more for them, change the laws? And we're still bringing in an awful lot of money. Why not just say, okay, we're satisfied with this and leave it be? You know, then you've got the older generation of legislators who remember the way that, that things were and, and haven't adjusted to the new normal and don't want to adjust to the new normal. And Representative Dermody makes the point that if we don't do something to aid the industry and allow them to, to do something about the competition, the revenues are only going to continue to decline, and that's going to hurt the locals and the state. And does this industry contraction counter the argument uh, and satisfy those who are concerned about expansion? You know, the governor says, I'm not going to condone expansion, uh, House and Senate leadership, much the same. It's already contracted. Does that help the argument? Uh, absolutely, and, and that's one of the, the tools that I think you're going to see that the supporters of the bill use. You know, they're going to say, well, if we don't increase the number of, of machines, if we move the casinos to a land-based kind of format, if we contract the number of, of electronic table games that we've got now at the casinos, if we give them live dealers, we're not really technically expanding gambling. So you're going to see those numbers bandied about, the fact that as, as Mike Smith from the Casino Association indicated, you know, we're down by a, a number of machines, maybe 4,000 machines from a few years ago to begin with. And I think that that's something that they're going to use to counter the, the governor's concerns about what he views as expansion. Very good, Ed. Thanks for your insight. See you next week. For more information, episode streams, and extra content, visit us on the web at wfyi.org lawmakers. Well, that concludes another edition of Indiana Lawmakers. I'm John Chuanis, and on behalf of WFYI Public Media and Indiana's other public broadcasting stations, I thank you for joining us. Until next week, take care. The idea economy is here at the Purdue Research Park a powerful economic engine, and a technology conduit from Chicago to Louisville. Purdue Research Park, the idea economy is here.